Welcome to the Writer's Source Podcast with Ufoma and Faith, the podcast where you get all the juicy content and hot topics on the myths and truths about writers and the writing industry, especially in Africa and around the continent. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Writer's Source Podcast. As always, I am your host Ufoma. And it means your co-host, Faith. What up, Faith? Hello, Fama. I'm great, and you? I'm awesome. How's the day going? Fine, great. Today we have with us two awesome humans here with us. The best part is they are brothers from the same mother, and they carry the writing gene in their blood. With us on today's episode is Michael Emmanuel and Emmanuel Faith. So together we know as the Emmanuel brothers. Drum roll! <laughs> 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 Welcome guys. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. It's so amazing to have you both here. Yes, we are super delighted to be on board with you. Well done with the amazing things you are doing at the law. Well Michael Emmanuel is an associate editor at Praxis Magazine and a publishing editor at Italianly. It's spelled I-T-A-N-I-L-E. He's a previous winner of the Shuzia Creative Writing Contest 2020 and the Kuramo Writers' Prize 2018. He was a finalist for the Awele Creative Trust Prize 2020 and the 2021 Stephen A. DiBiazzi Poetry Contest. His works have appeared in Kalahari Review, The African Writers' Review, Jalaja Magazine, Pre-Happen Magazine, and other places. He's on Twitter at Mikey underscore Emmanuel and Instagram at D underscore Mike underscore Manuel M M A N U E L Emmanuel Faith is a burden press and once in a blue moon writer who lives in Lagos, presently the lead people and culture of one of the bujoning fintechs in Africa. He finds solace in poetry and enjoys meandering through rhymes and readings. A former winner of Bridget's Poison Poetry Contest, that's the BPPC, the Albert's Jungle's Poetry Prize, and other notable contests. His debut poetry collection, Lagos Doesn't Sleep, was an exciting adventure. Adulting in Nigeria is a second literary work with his brother, Michael Emmanuel. He is on Twitter and Instagram as at the Emmanuel Faith. So it's right. lovely to have you guys here. We are super delighted to be joining you on this. Thank you very much for hosting us. Thank you for honoring our invite. So guys, the sweet side to having these two brothers with us today is that they just released a book for every Nigerian youth like struggling through this thing that we call adulting. Okay. Especially in a time that... Nigeria is something else like they are canceling and banning stuff here and there, banning social media, Twitter, 
here, there, like we don't even have our voices again. I don't think this book would have come at a better time than now. So Addison in Nigeria is a collection of poems by the Emmanuel Brothers and it is a very enjoyable read. Hey, um, what, what's yes. your favorite poem from the book? What's your favorite poem uh, from the book? I have quite um, a couple. Yeah, I do too. Um, one of them is Niola. I, I really love Niola. <laughs> I, I love Niola. I don't know who it was for, but she's such a lucky woman, lady. I know, right? I know, right? I wish somebody would write a poem for me like that. Like, I was just jealous of what people you wrote about. Then I love Delilah. Really Welcome to Lagos. Abike. So many of them. Yeah, every Lagosian would actually is very welcome to Lagos. Yeah. Yeah, a few of my favorite are songs, Point for Adelson. I really, really like Point for Adelson because I think it was the center of the whole book. And I also give a special mention to the 2010-20 in honor of the NSAS electrical gate killing. It was really beautiful that that was part of the book. So guys, well done. Thank you. Thank you. We are pretty excited here. We are Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I'm so tempted to reveal the bad story behind Niola, but no. Yeah, no, thank no. you. Please. <laughs> please, please, please. Maybe Niola wants to know too. Wherever Who is she? I know Pete is like eager to know, but uh, it's not within my, um, my, the jurisdiction of my powers. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm talk about that. Please, they just gave you like, I punch, just stay your lane. Like, you're not going to keep I, I, I guess it, I guess it. <laughs> it's a clue, it's a clue. I mean, when I say I'm not, it's not within the jurisdiction of my powers, it means that, um, you know. It's, the, it's within the jurisdiction of the other Emmanuel. Exactly. Oh. Ah. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So we're just going to be diving right into the conversation and we'll be talking about um, the writer's writing process, but more specifically about your writing process. So, why don't you just tell us what you do, like as a writer? How do you get right? How do you get through writing a few lines to a good number of pages? Um, most particularly, like writing um, adulting in Nigeria. I think we should talk about that. So, which of you would love to go first? We are listening. Okay, hi everyone. It's your boy Manofe once again. Yeah, I don't think Nigeria came as a random idea, right? I was just telling my brother about, you know, the peculiarities of adulting, especially yeah. in Nigeria. You know, in other climb, it's a bit different. There is some yeah. sort of structure and some sort of guarantee. For example, if you can't afford your university, you know that there is student loan. Yeah. And then, yeah students loan you can you can get good jobs where you pay back the loan but in nigeria or yoloa right and then yeah. out, i think there is a line i don't know if it was my brother that wrote it or myself where we asked that if there was a payment if there was a manual that we can pay that we can read for adulting that we would buy the manual right so yeah. it's just you come it, it, it was two things one adulting itself how challenging it is then adulting in Nigeria, that's now another layer of challenge. So I'm like, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm gradually leaving the twenties and my brother is approaching the mid twenties. So guy, I'm still a small boy, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, let's do something, right? No matter what it is. And you know, we just yeah. opened the book talks 
I started dropping one one from there to the first mm-hmm. company. Yeah, yeah. So to, uh, and um, I think you no, know, the process of writing adulting was actually an adulting experience. Mm. Uh, what I mean, what I mean mm-hmm. is, that one thing that stood out at the beginning of the project was um the realization that um something peculiar to being a young adult in Nigeria is there yeah. is not enough time to do what you want to do and what you need to do. Yeah. So uh, on one end, you have the dreams you want to chase, you have um, the ambitions, the careers, the relationships. And on the other end, you have the bills, you have um, the commitments, you have the responsibilities that you have to meet. So you are trying to see how do I balance chasing what I want and what I need for survival. Yeah. And um, the process of writing was also like that. There was a, um, a part of me telling myself, oh, I need to read my books, I need to prepare for tests, I need to prepare for exams. And I want to write poetry. I want to write this collection. I want to edit this stuff. So that itself was just like a, a mirror image of exactly what we were trying to tell that being an adult in Nigeria is, um, a constant, um, trying to, a constant, um, trying to balance a constant, uh, managing, yeah, management. And so that, that was really um, crucial to the writing. And so, um, I think. Having a great that experience really helped us in being um, vulnerable, being real. Real is what being real yeah. experience. We were not trying to um, sugarcoat <laughs> to paint an experience that was not real. We were trying to like tell it as it is. Like, I mean, in um, Faith was saying that yeah. she, one of her favorite poems is um, was it Faith? No, Ufi. Um, friend yeah. Waldo, right? Yeah. And then there's a line in that poem that, of course, I wrote that poem. Earlier, like I think I wrote it in March, and there's a line in the poem that says, "Um, poem for the best day that faded, that faded." Yeah, from Keja. Oh, Keja. Yes. And it's after that my birthday two months later <laughs> faded in Ooh. the traffic. <laughs> like I was looking in traffic and you prophesied. Wow. So that was the idea, right? Like these things are things people can identify with because they are experiences people are having. Experiences people have had, or experiences people wish they would have, and so that that was yeah. really how um the process was. So we didn't really give much attention to the metaphor, uh, to style, to language, but to the stories behind each of the points. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing this with us. I I I think I understand that. When did writing start for you, Kate, and you as well, Michael? Okay, so for me, it started 2014. There was this long, very long ASU strike in 2013, where all I, I, and I think there was a general breakout of contemporary poets then, because all the big guys we see now, uh, Madida Yagarao, yeah. those guys started out around that period. And I think oh. credit to World Rhymes and Reading for, you know, lending that platform then. So we started with Facebook, you know, small, small, Facebook competitions. I remember 50 yeah, rights. Yeah, those kind of things. And so I think poetry started 2014, but poetry seriously started in 2016 because I gained admission in 2014. And you know, when you gain admission, which okay. is the first class, you know, they have, they have told you the story on how, <laughs> you how you must get your first class. Yeah. <laughs> your first year because yeah. other years to shake you and suck your GP. Yeah. So, there was no time for poetry in 2015. 
However, I had attended this poetry festival hosted by World Rhymes and Medium in December 2015. And then I saw those that, you know, started writing poetry in 2013. And when I joined them in 2014, you know, cutting out, cutting no more these awards. Um, someone won a free publishing contract. Someone won a 20k cash prize. I'm like, Oh, well, I started together with these guys. Is it CGPA that is going to, you know, limit me? And so in 2016, and that's why I like to mention 2016 as the year I started poetry, I, I just came in with full force, you know, learned, polished my skills, learned a lot about, I loved rhymes and reading. So I deliberately learned a lot about rhymes and reading. I learned how to write a lie, an haiku, a kairil, a swap train. I was just exploring sonnets, you know, as many traditional poetry as possible. And then you know, it's been, I, I would say, slightly consistent ever since then. Emphasis on slightly, please. Over to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think for me, um, writing was not that stuff I thought I would do. Um, ah. uh, I, I remember when I was in SS1 or 2, uh, one of my teachers, Commended an essay I wrote in narrative essay and the teacher didn't believe I could write something like that because I mean, I'm in SS1. I'm not supposed to be able to write this detail. <laughs> but it, it, I still didn't consider it something serious. And then I think it was in 2015, um, while waiting for write results that, you know, I started trying my hands at a short story that grew into a novella. Was at then I wasn't into much reading, so I didn't even know a story was supposed to grow. Um, I didn't know things like plot, outline, chapter summary, all those things. I just wanted to write. So after I finished the manuscript, I realized that oh, I had one more year at home because admission did admission things. So <laughs> I I began reading, and I remember that was 2015 December into 2016, and in 2016 I think I read more than 100 novels and. Uh, I think I was just writing a lot. Like, I mean, that was all I was doing. I wrote jump and then I spent the year writing. So I think that was really the serious year from 2016. I wrote so much that, um, I couldn't like not be a writer anymore. Um, but then for like three years after, all I did was fiction. And even though I, I mean, I read a lot of poetry. I've been reading poetry for like yeah. eight now. I mean, my brother writes poems. And I read his poems because I'm his first, first, <laughs> his first editor, first everything. Um, but, and, and then I think sometime in 2018, towards the end of 2018, I started um, a volunteering job as a poetry editor for a literary magazine. But I wasn't wow. writing poetry. And I, I was editing poetry. So, so it was kind of a weird arrangement. But I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I loved it. Mm. But it was last year about... Um, Two weeks before the COVID-19 lockdown started that I yeah. down to write like my first real poem. Just to um, let you guys know, I've been telling him that guy, poetry is for you. You can love fiction, I love poetry too, but you didn't answer. So, and so, you're actually uh, very right because his poems I, I think, are amazing. I, I think really last, good. I, I know, right? I, I think until last year, I had on to this belief that you can be like a lover of fiction and a lover of Poetry simultaneously, like that. Let them I, I think I still have that. Con- I still have that conviction, but it's gradually changing because I'm seeing. I mean, you're doing it. I know a couple of other guys doing it, so yeah. anybody can do it. Yeah. So I think one, one thing I did when I started writing poetry was I went to I had to find writers who are both um who had been recognized both for their fiction and their poetry, 
And so when I found like three, four people, oh, there was an oh, okay, I'm not the first to do this. I'm not the one fat. So, yeah. um, so in the way, I'm kind of new in Puerto one year and two months, one year and three months. For fiction, mm. I'm five, six years. Same thing with non-fiction um, and stuff. So, uh, thank you for giving us like that rundown, like entering your head, seeing how it all works for you guys. So I'm very sure our audience and your readers, your fans, the people that love your work, <laughs> you know, how come their face, two brothers who, from the same mother, ended up being writers and creatives in the same field? Like, does it run in the family? Are there any family members who are writers? Or was it just the culture growing up? Like, did you grow up reading a lot of books? Or was there somebody pushing you, like, read, write, you know, that kind of thing? Or did one of you influence the other? Well, first, I think Manuel Fitz influenced me. Like, that's, uh, that's about the Yes, he influenced me. If he had been an engineer, I would have been an engineer. If he had been a mathematician, maybe I would have ah. been a- <laughs> so that there is that but i think um my mom tells us that when she was younger she used to write and i believe her because i mean once she has taught um, english and literature for um, more than three years and i mean the Aww. first text i would read was for my mom i remember i was in ss1 science class when i read Popeye Biscross cross and um uh ah geez, I'm to say angel. no 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 um this, this story about 12 guys stranded on an island. Uh, Lord of oh, the um, Lord of Flies. Yeah, William Golden. So I was in school, I was reading physics and chemistry, and I was at home, I was reading literature. And I remember one day in class, um, the literature teacher was asking the ask students some questions, and they could not answer. And I was just boiling that. This is simple. <laughs> <laughs> I sure you're not supposed to be in Asgard. <laughs> I still get that question. What am I doing with chemistry? How find myself in chemistry? So I, I think all those influences, what my mom does, what she has done, yeah. um, kind of um family I grew up in, we grew up in, we had access to books. You know, I've been reading since maybe 2007, 2006. Mm. I read uh without a silver spoon when I was eight. And I, read it I love I that book. Like we yeah. I think my copy got like I can't even find the front cover because I read it and read it to the extent that Exactly. Like the cover just went somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, the illustrated form, like that was like a magazine kind of stuff. Ah, no, no. <laughs> so I think all this combined together really influenced the writing journey. It wasn't yeah. that we said, oh, you know what I want to be. It was just like we have to be writers. Like, it's grown. It's growing to morph into being writers. Yeah, we morphed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And um, also, your reading culture is also very amazing. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Emmanuel like... Fitz reads a hundred books every year. I mean, me to do my last one. Fitz did it. I can't do it. Just one more book. I know. And it's like he's a reader. It's impressive. I know. It's impressive seeing how much you both read and live up to the truth that that you live up to to be a good writer you know to be a good writer one must be a good reader yeah. gladly and you and your team at bookathon have lived up to this culture yeah. can, can you tell us a bit about bookathon 
what what okay. inspired the Emmanuel faith, what inspired it, and what they do basically. Okay, basically, interesting question, right? I had read a hundred books in twenty eighteen. I didn't set out to read it. Interestingly, I joined this group called Work Gen. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember. I know. The yeah, group. I I think I think yes, yes, yes. I just. I some people and you know the goal was to read five books a year a month sorry i'd always been a reader but never tracked my you know reading i just pick a book and read i'm like oh five books per month sounds exciting you know at the end mm-hmm. of the year probably 60 books okay that sounds like a plan and you know we are done january and february and then march everybody started pulling out and all but then i still continue <laughs> And then I just graduated and, you know, Lagos traffic and all. I did the mathematics one day and realized I was spending about six hours in traffic. So I decided to time, you know, plan my six hours. I was sleep for one hour, reach for one, uh, one year hours and chat for 30 minutes. Cause I, what Lagos I was traffic like, has nothing on you. You know, <laughs> you know, because what I missed was all I do in the bus is chat. Six hours. Yeah. That's part of my day. And I think as a June, I had read 50 books because then I opened in Fadi Kerodizens to this. I chatted with another friend who had also read about 50 books. I think we even wrote That's a blog. Amazing. So I'm like, if I'd done 50 books at June, then I can definitely do a hundred books at December. Yeah. It's not like a job, continued, continued. Then in September, so I attended this HR conference with focus on leadership and development. And there was this guy. Who was talking about how, you know, Nigerian youths don't read, the workplace does not encourage the reading culture. And so he had yeah. asked in a room of over 150 people, how many people yeah. had read 50 books this year? And, you know, like five hands. And you went there. Yeah. How many people had read 60? Like three hands. No, like two hands. Yeah. So just me and another guy. And at some point I had pitched to the guy that said, Oh, I'd read 79 books and I was looking for someone to buy me 21 books so that I would read a hundred books. And this guy yeah. took it up, right? He's an HR director of one of the biggest companies in Nigeria and Africa. And so he bought me 21 books. And what he did was he buys me five books. I read, I wrote the review, he buys me another set. I read, I wrote the review and stuff. And by December, I had read 101 books. I can never forget the last book was After Many Days by Joe and yeah. I read that book December 31st. <laughs> I closed the last chapter of the book. Mm. And, you know, when I shared the story, people were like, oh, they want to do this, they want to do this. And I started book acting in 2019. And here ah. we are today. You know, I, I mean, in 2020, a lot of people even read more than 100 books in book acting. Because there was a lockdown. Because there was a lockdown. And it really helped people yeah. share. They were not depressed. You know, they were not carried away by the emotions and stuff because everybody just put their energy into Reading. That's wonderful. Yeah, right. So how does it work? We basically have a theme per month. For example, the theme for June is Nigerian literature. We want to read literature books that, you know, talked about Nigeria. So we have a theme per month. You read books within the theme and outside the theme. We review. Please follow the book team on Instagram. We have amazing content. We post about writers mm-hmm. people know and writers people do not know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's on period. I- <laughs> so, um, if, if, if anyone wants to join the team at Bookathon, what do they have to do for oh, anyone just, listening that might want to join Bookathon? Um, well, I think if anyone wants oh. to join, um, they can easily reach out to one of the admins, but then it's important that they are committed to reading. 
because the idea is we are not trying to drag people or teach people how to read. We are yeah. um, encouraging people to read. So okay. it's people naturally, naturally read. We only need not support teaching them. people to read, yeah. but encouraging them to read. That's like really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. So they can reach out to any of the admins and manufacturers, myself, PB, um, that's, we can just send the gem to, um, our Instagram account as the thing and, um, we would move it on from there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, too. So we know it's obviously not easy being a young writer in Nigeria, but you guys right, are yes. here winning prizes, self-publishing, releasing books, chat books, and stuff, which is more than impressive. Can you please share I with us guys what you mean now? I'm dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think if my office has four, yes, three. Yes. Yes, yes. three then. Um, then this recent one, Adults in Nigeria, that he did with Michael. It's the Baba. Can, can, <laughs> can you share with us what you think of the writing industry in Nigeria and beyond for young African writers? Is it friendly or harsh? Especially for up and coming writers in the early stages of their careers. Okay, so I'm going to. St- I think my younger brother will answer this more deliberately. So I'm just going okay. to share, you know, my opinion. You know, okay. for me, writing is secondary. Like creative writing is secondary, and and that 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 line that you asked, uh, that's why I use the. I always use the phrase "once in a blue moon" writer. Right. I'm mm-hmm. an HR professional. Writing is just secondary for me, a way to express myself. And that's why I say my younger brother would be best to answer this. But uh, it's really what do you want to achieve with writing? Right. Do you want to build a lifestyle? Do you want to, um, is writing your source of income? Do you want mm-hmm. to make it, is it both? For me, writing is a lifestyle. I mean, writing helps me even in my HR space. Where I work, the content guys, they still come to me and say, Emmanuel, you should second eye to look at this thing. So I'm continuously improving my creativity, creative ability yeah. because writing is a lifestyle, right? Yeah. Is the publishing space, writing and publishing? No, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think things are getting much better. So four or five years ago, it was just world rhymes and rhythm. At least now, I know there is world rhymes and rhythm. There is Parushia magazine. There is Okada books. So there are platforms, really. It's, it just depends on, are you, are you willing to go through the process? It doesn't mean that you cannot write your first manuscript and get it public. Okay. First poem and win a competition. It just means that that is not the usual. That is the process. I did that, guy who has been writing since 2014. Now he has an MFA, you know. When we three or four years before winning Brunel Prize for poetry. And you know, yeah. I might never win a Brunel Prize for poetry, for example. <laughs> and it a less successful writer than Romeo. I'm using those two yeah. um, I was very involved, you know, I know their journey, you know, to start up. So I, I think that is it's, it's just really a perspective thing. The the mm-hmm. the thing is not ash. It is the process that is long. Yes, so I'm going to hand over to my brother now. Okay, so writing is not hard. The process that is long. Ah, Sage. Don't leave me. Well, I, I think Emmanuel Fit has said a lot and um I'll just add this that um really I think it's important to define what you want. Not just short term mm-hmm. but long term. 
No, recently I had an interview with um, a writer who just won um, Brunel for this year. He's a Nigerian. Mm-hmm. And he's the first Nigerian to win it since Romeo won it in 2017. And so one of the questions I asked him was um, about his writing journey and uh, his opinion on the writing um, for young Nigerians. And then we, we both realized that um, in a way we have it a bit more, a bit better than um it was five years ago. I mean, if you go on Twitter these days, well, before they banned Twitter anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> an international writing competition that would not have at least one Nigerian writer on either the short list, the long list, the uh, final list, the um, judges' commendation. There will always be a Nigerian writer. Almost always. Yeah. And I, I think that's just a testament to the fact that we have more resources and we have a community. Eight years ago, yeah. there was no active, vibrant community. But now we have people reaching out to each other on Twitter. We have people sharing works. We have people um, doing interviews. And we have initiatives like this um, where writers can connect and hear from other writers. And I think all these things are an encouragement, but it still comes down to what do you want? Do you just want yeah. to be like do you want to get an MFA? Do you want to go the path of Chimamanda Adichie? Do you want to um, go the path of Man of Faith, making your money as a banker or an engineer? I mean, I, I know you're mm-hmm. right. Jesus, that most. Jesus yeah. has been writing year 2000 and is an engineer. I mean, he goes to sites, he does construction for buildings and all, and he still writes poetry. That's Which one part. He doesn't plan to be an MFA anytime, anytime. Yeah. Right? So he's someone who believes that you can keep your you know, regular job and still be a poet. That's one perspective. That's one lifestyle. So I think it's important to define what do I want long term. What do you want as a writer? Very important. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael and Faith. Um, I'm sure like our audience and writers are there have learned a lot from what you guys have just said. So I'm going to be directing this at you, Michael. Um, because oh. I've read a lot of your works, more than I have read um Emmanuel Faith. Um and I would like to know, have you ever felt like you're not good enough as a writer? I mean, with all these accolades you have, you are an award winner, not once, not twice, you've been nominated on a lot of long lists, short lists, but is there, has there ever been a time that you felt like even with all this going on around you, you're not good enough as a writer or that the process was too slow or it's too slow and you just want to like drop the pen and okay, I'm not doing this again. Okay. Like, have you ever had that? Yeah, this question. I think the question, uh, if I can, I would rephrase the question as, is there a time that I don't even have that feeling? I think being a writer, <laughs> extends, huh. it's a feeling you live with. I, I was really yeah. impressed um, by Opera Dedeji. Now, Opera Dedeji is one of the uh, big, quote unquote, upcoming, but big at the same time. So she's imagined yeah. she's and she, uh, she was writing that she started her MFA last November. And, um, mm-hmm. even after she started, she still kept like asking herself if she was good enough to like get a fully funded MFA, like MFA. Was she MFA. And this is someone who has, you know, been shortlisted for like big awards. Um, this is someone who has been published and I, I think is it Granta, either Granta or the New Yorker, one of the two. Yes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, excuse me, miss, like, I, I mean, 
Uh, are you seriously asking yourself this? So, like, I think it's something that you learn to do with at the right time. I mean, there are times I have, I have a few um, colleagues that I have conversations with, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't even know. I mean, I just got this rejection. I, mean, I thought this film was fabulous. And you're telling me, yeah. like, you can't find something in this film to publish. Well, like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I'll just, just share a recent experience. Um, so last year, I wrote a short story that I loved so much. You know, there are times you write something, you're like, oh, this one is my favorite. So I wrote I know, right? and I edited it and I sent it in for this competition and I knew the story was good, right? And um, in a way, I expected that at least I would make the shortlist. And truth to it, when the long list for the competition came out, my name was on it. And I mean, of course, I I mean, I was thankful for the selection, but at the same yeah. time, I was like, oh, it's good. I know what I wrote. Yeah. But then, yeah. the shortlist came out and, um, well, the story was not on the shortlist. And I was coming back from an, a test or an exam, and I was just thinking about the test before I saw the announcement. I was like, actually, what gets me? I'd be like, I'm just thinking about test now. Find out my story is not on the shortlist. Like, does this mean maybe writing is not for me? This is something that happened this year. Like, I mean, yeah. all the experiences are bad. And for like 30 minutes, I kept asking, ah, maybe I should just focus on chemistry. Maybe I should just forget this writing. But by the time I brought to my Settled down, and then of course I went to church, and I came back. I was like, "Well, it's one of those things I write again." So I think it's something that being a writer for on the long run, I mean, the long, a long term writer would have to live with um those yeah. feelings of not being good enough. But I think what keeps you going is um when you think about um the responses of people to what you've published. When you think about um how people. About your work and also occasionally, I think the awards are a form of acknowledgements to that you are doing. Yeah. Well. So an extent, yeah. the shortlist, the commendations, the publishings, even sometimes the rejection letters with a nice feedback, yeah, an acknowledgement that you know what you are doing this thing well, just keep doing it. And I think <laughs> lastly, um, this uh, there, there was this this woman, um, Bernardine Evaristo, if I got the name right, yes. Yes. She was sharing in 2019 that, in 2020, that after she won the Booker Prize, which is one of the biggest literary prizes in the world, she was commissioned to write a story for a site, and she wrote the story and she sent it to the editor. And the editor rejected it. And the person I thought of was, you are rejecting the work of a Booker Prize. <laughs> Who are you? Who exactly are you? Like, you know, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was few years old on Abia, right? And I think that's just a lesson that no matter who you are, you would always get that rejection. Yeah. That's still get it. So, yeah. if this people get it, who am I? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's just right. Um, the, the, the response of what this, the acknowledgement, the awards, the, um, the, the way people can identify themselves in what you're waiting. Those are like what gives you guys right now. Okay. I'll say from one writer to another. You are doing well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, I think at this point, I should. You guys are doing well. So I mean, I've I've known you both for a couple of years, and um, yes, you are. Thank you. That's right. We have to be in the same writing club, writing niche. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. 
You are amazing. The creative writers need. Shout out to the creative writers need. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so, is it is there anything you think African writers should be doing that they may or may not already be doing in the industry? Faith, this question is directed to Faith. They should stop writing about LGBT and tell us. <laughs> 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 but, I tell our but, story, but, but then, but I, I mean, uh, allow me to uh, uh, allow me to say that <laughs> some of these stories are actually African stories, right? Yes, they are. I was going to say that. I think you've just been a bit sentimental. Don't <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, on a lighter note, I think that I mean these stories are good. I, I read common words, short shortlist, and stuff. I just yeah. think that. Like, our story is robust. One of my best future books is Welcome to Lagos. Like, nothing <laughs> superficial. Just Chibundu Onozo. Chibundu Onozo. Yeah. Just you know, write something exciting. Talk about what Lagos looks like every day. The challenges and everything. I saw I saw somebody tweeting about the fact that they are tired of the Lagos themed stories. Like, every book you pick up is Lagos, Lagos, Lagos. No, I, I personally disagree. don't think that is it. Yes, I disagree too. But we do have a lot of stories that are centered on Lagos. But yeah, I don't but... think they are too much as of now. Okay, well, another one. What's the name of this guy? Um, Orchestra of Minorities. She goes, um, she goes That's another author I read. He writes, wait, I, I finished the Church of Minorities in the midnight. Like, I started at 10 p.m. and I read it till 3 a.m. <laughs> um, it was that a good and exciting story. I just yeah. think that another person that I think is doing very well, what's the name of this? Even though, you know, we have bias for her, um, I have bias for her. Akweke? Uh, no, Ak- no, Akweke. Inedi. Okua. Okua. I think okay. I, I Oh! Yeah. <laughs> That's a book my mom was she has a niche into. of her own, a journal, right? a journal of I, her own. Life. So those like, are like good African stories. Even when you, yeah. when you can breathe with, I mean, you know, when, sometimes my, my sister, the serial killer, that was, you know, very short, sweet, and punchy. So, yeah. You <laughs> said so crunchy. crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the tell stories that you make, you know. Um, of the this is the Pride Month, as they said. You know, you want to write poetry, yeah. but it's also okay that we retain our originality, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and for me, that's and also let's be consistent. Let's let's not give up. Let's stop having kids. Uh, some people say they are is it gate holders? Are the gatekeepers? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't see that abroad. Karen Kingsbury wrote her first novel after reading Francis Rivers' first novel. I think yeah. I guess we have published more than twice. Twice? <laughs> ten times. <laughs> ten times a lot of novels that Fast Rivers has published. Yeah. So I openness too. That welcome disposition to every generation of writers is very important. Yeah. Okay. So would you like to answer that, Sophie? Um no, I think I think um Faith has um answered the question and yeah, basically just the original. I think that is it. So, um, yeah, I think we've had a really long conversation and we've talked about a lot of things and it's so good to hear from you guys just sharing your whole experiences, your ideas. And I took note of a lot of things. Like I've learned a lot from both of you. And yeah. uh, before we go, I would have said, Oh, let me ask you what words you have for, you know, the normal, what words do you have for young and brain writers? But the truth is we are all young. And brain writers. <laughs> and we all need a pat on the back. So well done. 
Base. Well done, Michael. And, well done. Um, yes, yeah. I just want to say you guys should continue doing what you are doing, continue to be amazing and to create the beautiful words that you do. And yes, Faith, Emmanuel Faith, thank you for a word a day. I'm sure a lot of people learn so much on it. Please, can you just give us the Instagram handle um, for our audience so that they can follow? If you're not already following, follow a word a day oh, and yeah, learn so new words. A word day, so it's a dot word dot a dot day, but immediately you type a word a day. One of our pages, our pages yeah. is going to post so that will come up on Instagram. On Instagram. So follow okay. a word. So guys, day. follow on social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's been amazing having you both here with us today. Thank you for coming. It was so Thank refreshing you so much. and so, so Thank wonderful you. having you here. We'll send our gents to don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, fans. Thank you for loving our world. Thank you. Okay, All right. We have a lovely evening. You too. And that's it for today's episode. Do follow us via our social media platforms. Subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't. And share with us via your tweets and comments on your experiences as writers and readers. Please, we would be waiting to hear your stories, experiences, and conversations you are looking forward to. Yeah. So until next time, this is Ukoma and Faith. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Kindly follow us on our social media platforms at the Writer Source Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And do send us a mail on the Writer Source Podcast at gmail.com. Keep listening to us across the various platforms, basically everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Podcasts, do favorite us on Anchor and we would love to see your ratings. The Writer Source Podcast is hosted by Ufoma and Faith and produced by DigiLaw.